0: Welcome to the Ask the Experts podcast. Here's Karen Bhatia. I am Karen Bhatia, joined by Keith Eidick. You know him as a senior writer, columnist at BoxingScene.com. Keith, how are you doing, my man?
1: Good, my man. How are you doing?
0: Good, good, good. So. Wanted to chat with you. There's so much going on in the world of boxing. Um, Let's start with, of course, the pound for pound number one, Canelo Alvarez, the Canelo sweepstakes. We had that uh, play out. Seems like a lot of people in the boxing world generally wait to see what Canelo does before making their own move. Um, Of course, it was reported by you and many others. PBC offered Charlo and Benavidez, the reported number 100 million. Uh also Matchroom the Zone offered Bivol, Triple G trilogy, reported 85 million, 100 million. Not really sure who, who knows exactly. Uh when you take in buys and other things like that. Um why do you think Canelo went the route of the Matchroom the Zone deal over the PBC deal? Uh
1: I think he wants to uh ultimately become the unified, fully unified light heavyweight champion. And this is his path to making that happen. You know, he fights Dmitry Bivol. He feels it's a fight that he'll win, obviously. And then he would have the opportunity at least once he's done in his opinion, beating Bivol, beating triple G and then whoever he's going to fight in December, which might be a lesser fight than those two. Um, and then for his first fight of, uh, 2023 fight, the winner of Joe Smith jr. And Artur Beterbiev for all of the light heavyweight titles, which would give him an opportunity to become a full unified champion in a second division.
0: That would be a a tremendous accomplishment. And if if anyone can do it, it's Canelo. We've seen what he's done gobbling up these belts. Um, Now, there's one thing to say. You know, i want to fight three times this year a lot of things can happen as we've seen of course, of course uh through the last few years injuries can happen things like pandemics can happen um there's a million things that could happen but it's it's definitely a great plan and, and we've seen canelo execute uh on these plans before um in terms of the zone they're they're pivoting now to have a pay-per-view model um in terms of pricing we know the monthly is there and then now there's a pay-per-view for bigger fights uh joe markowski made no you know he he was open about it he said hey in the beginning we said we were not going to do it now. We are. So they're not shying away from it. Um, what are your thoughts on on the zone trying the pay-per-view model? If you look at any business or startup or whatever you want to call it, um, it it's pretty normal to make pivots and look at numbers and, and make adjustments. And it seems like that's what they're doing here. What, what are your thoughts?
1: Well, what's not normal is when you enter a business that you have not been in to say that you're going to put everyone else in effect out of business, which is kind of what they were trying to say. Uh, They were a little too uh, arrogant and bold about it, to be honest with you. They've learned that lesson the hard way. uh, And they now know that the boxing business is such because it needs to be that way. Fighters' expectations are that they're going to make a certain amount of money. The business model is what it is. You're not changing that. So don't try to come in and reinvent the wheel. Um, And again, they learned that the hard way. You can't pay Canelo Alvarez somewhere between 40 and 50 million dollars and take $9.99 per month from people and, and figure out a way to pay that without losing money. Again, they learn the lesson the hard way. I give Joe a lot of credit for copying to it, so to speak, and saying, hey, look, you know, we made some miscalculations. We made some mistakes. We were very ambitious in the beginning, probably said some things that we should not have said. So let's move forward. Some people don't want to forgive them for that. I don't really see the point in that entirely because... It is what it is. I mean, what, do you want them to go before a firing squad or what exactly? All right, so they promised you that they wouldn't charge you $80 for a fight, and now they are. If, if it bothers you that much, don't buy it. It's not a birthright to watch boxing for whatever it costs, and it's, sometimes it gets very frustrating with people on Twitter, and Twitter ain't the real world, as you and I real no, well know, because it's a very small percentage of people that actually watch boxing. There are some very smart, passionate people on there, and there are some people that are just outrageously unrealistic about what they expect. And they're going to complain no matter what. Uh, Bottom line is Canelo Alvarez has set the bar for what he's going to make. This is what it's going to cost to watch him fight. Put on your big boy pants and pay for it or, or don't. But you're not being wronged in some egregious way here. It is what it is.
0: For so long, people have talked about the popularity of boxing and how it can become a mainstream sport in terms of like the four big players in America. Um, and and of course, pay-per-view is it's where it's been recently. People look back at, at the older ages when it was on national TV. Um, you know, you made money through through advertisements on those big channels. Um, and obviously, people have tried that. People have tried streaming. At this point in time, uh, just you as an observer and seeing everything that, that that's going on, do you think um, there's other ways to be successful, or at the end of the day, does it just come back to pay-per-view?
1: I think at the highest level, it's going to be a pay-per-view model because people – look, successful people don't like losing money. Len Blavatnik is no exception. He lost a lot of money bankrolling DAZN for the first three and a half years, and he's just not going to do it anymore. He has He has put – uh you know some some restrictions on what they can spend on fights they're not wasting money like they did in the beginning trying to lure american fighters or fighters from wherever who frankly aren't worth the money they grossly overpaid for devin haney they learned the hard way wasn't worth it exactly devin haney's an excellent fighter does not have the enormous fan base that his instagram following or whatever would lead you to believe no one else is willing to pay him and th- and this this is now playing out i understand the ambition in the beginning because they had to overspend they're trying to make their mark in this market, in which they did not exist, so you have to be aggressive. You have to overspend a little bit, but you can't do that in the long term because no one's going to pay for it. And, you know, if it's Showtime, BBC, you know, you all have people to answer to, and you can't just keep you know wasting money, so to speak, on bad investments. And so, I guess the short answer to your question, though, is that for the top top fights, Canelo Alvarez certainly counts as as such uh, the pay-per-view model is there to stay. Now, does it need to be $80 necessarily? I don't know that. And it shouldn't be higher than that. Uh, even for the biggest fights, you know, Mayweather Pacquiao was a hundred, of course, but, um, if it were two, the thing is you and I both know that if it was two or three times per year, rational people wouldn't have a problem with it. Passionate boxing fans wouldn't have a problem with it. It's when you come in with the, Charles Martin and 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 uh, Luis Ortiz, even for forty bucks, or Keith Thurman and Mario Barrios for seventy five, but whatever it was, um, that's where the people have problems, you know, and 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 rightfully so.
0: And that that actually leads me to my next question. We were talking about the major networks and, uh, you know, having boxing on their platform. Of course, Fox, uh, the last few years, has been involved in boxing in in both broadcast and pay-per-view. This year, though, in 2022, they've only done two two events, and those were both pay-per-views, Luis Ortiz versus Charles Martin, as you mentioned, and the Keith Thurman pay-per-view. We haven't seen a lot on the Fox Sports schedule. So what do you expect to see uh, for the future of boxing and, and Fox Sports?
1: unfortunately fox has devolved into a pay-per-view distributor that's what they are right now and you have to call it like it is basically right um i am a paramount employee just for full disclosure for people who don't know that uh our boxing scene.com is owned by paramount which used to be viacom cbs which also owns showtime which has a deal with pbc so just let's you know let's operate off that but um fox's involvement in boxing was very encouraging in the beginning of its deal uh, because there were a lot of people watching boxing who had not ordinarily watched the sport. They were doing between two and three million viewers. It was great for the sport. Having boxing on network television is imperative for the growth of the sport, whether it's on Fox or CBS or ABC or and whichever one wants to invest money into the sport. And I think it's going to wind up being CBS uh, or Paramount, you know, how, however they want to do it. Um it's necessary because you have to expose the sport to the masses and let people know about these incredible backstories uh, for these fighters and show two, three, four times a year, show the best of the best on network television, uh, maybe a fight like that's borderline pay-per-view that would be a low-level pay-per-view, put it on CBS, Fox, ABC, NBC, whatever, and let people enjoy the sport at its highest level. And as you well know, sometimes that's not even really necessary. You don't need a you don't need a fight that has five million dollars in license fees to make great, compelling television. So you know, sometimes you get uh, you know Jared Heard against Julian Williams, which was an excellent back and forth fight, right? And a a fight of the year candidate in which Julian Williams was uh, you know was upset by Jared Heard. So I mean, uh, upset Jared Heard. So you know there's ways to do it but but i think without the involvement of network television moving forward the, the the growth of the sport is going to be very limited because if you're trying to only grow the sport through apps that cost whether it's 6 dollars per month 12 dollars per month whatever it might be if you limit it to those types of platforms the sport is not going to grow
0: and so with that said, just playing off of, of what you said and, and just a follow-up question, you mentioned, for example, CBS, right? Getting into boxing. Do you think it has to be network television from that traditional way, you know, channel two on your linear TV box or can it be an extension of a linear television family? Like, like for example, a Paramount Plus. If it is like something like that, then there is gonna be the monthly fee uh, that you mentioned. So do you think yeah. it, it's like, is it the old school way? Is it the new school way? Is it a hybrid? What do you, what do you think?
1: I think what's realistic, especially from uh, the, the Paramount plus CBS side of it, I think CBS is not going to televise boxing once per month live on the network because the network slots are too val- valuable. It's the most watched network on on broadcast television, and they value the slots even on Saturday night. So they're not going to be giving them away the way that Fox was giving them away uh, just because the programming is cheap. So they value the slots. So you might see three maybe a year ideally if they were to do it that way show maybe three fights there show some uh maybe fs1 level maybe in between fs1 and fox level what were the fox level fights on paramount plus and then of course have showtime with the boxing budget that it has showing showtime championship boxing once per month showing showbox essentially once per month that's a lot of content and, it, and it's a lot of inventory for one network or one corporation to undertake, but the corporation is funded well enough and committed to the sport well enough, I think to do that. But again, if it's Fox and and if ABC were to, um, you know, make some sort of deal off of what it already has invested in ESPN and top rank uh, into the sport, you know, it could be, it doesn't matter, just put it on broadcast TV. And I, I, what you're asking too, though, is, uh, is it, is it essential for it to be on broadcast television? I would say that it is because for people like us, I'm older than you, unfortunately, but, but for people like us, um, yes, we're, we know how to use the apps. We, you know, For our jobs, obviously, we have to use the apps and everything, but you can't discount a large percentage of the population in the United States that does not want to learn how to use an app. And they watch network television. They're still trained to watch network television. The numbers bear that out. So ignoring those people, particularly older people who have been boxing fans since they were young, I think would be foolish.
0: It is definitely, uh, a changing, ever changing landscape. And, and overall, it does seem like platforms and players who can have different options, whether it be a, a, uh, network TV on a broadcast, uh, old school way. If you can also have some kind of paid service, if you can have pay-per-views, you can have a social digital, uh, outlet for maybe undercards, things like that. Right. If you, if you can have those variables, it, it, it usually yeah. can help. And that can, that can go with the offering that you're bringing in terms of the, the magnitude of that fight. So we'll see how everything plays out. It's changed a lot in the, in the, last few years, and I'm sure it's going to continue to change. Um, I wanted to ask you uh, about some other uh, boxing news and, and also world news. We, we of course, know what's going on uh, with the conflict with Russia and Ukraine and, and uh we, there's a lot of boxers that have that have been involved in this. Uh, one of those is, is Alexander Usyk. Now, Usyk um, did not need special permission to leave uh, Ukraine. He's a father of chief, uh, three children and it's Ukrainian law that he can leave. Um, and it's been reported that he will leave uh, to go into training. So with that said, uh, do you expect to see Joshua Usyk, uh, in the rematch sometime soon?
1: uh i don't know about soon necessarily but i wouldn't be surprised if usyk did i don't have uh confirmation that he's definitely doing it and i know what's been reported and everything and i'm not saying that he won't um but you know there is this internal struggle if you're a ukrainian a proud ukrainian person who is uh watching your country being invaded watching people that you love being killed you know seeing children slaughtered every day like you know, it, it, it's horrifying and if you're a ukrainian person i, I don't know how you would justify it within yourself to walk away. And I'm not condemning Usyk if he does wind up doing that, because on the flip side, you could see it as a morale boost maybe for Ukrainian people to see one of your own being the the heavyweight champion or, you know, him and Tyson Fury, one of the two heavyweight champions of the world going in and, and making you proud on this particular night or trying to make you proud on this particular night against Anthony Joshua. So I could see it on the flip side, um, but I could also see Usyk ultimately deciding what Vasily Lomachenko decided when he walked away from what was roughly a $3 million payday to fight George Cambosis Jr. And, you know, I, I see uh, it, it's kind of disheartening a little bit when I see people uh, picking apart what their involvement in the conflict might be when, you, when they're saying, well, Usyk's not really on the front. Listen, man, if you're in the United States in the comfort of your home or wherever and there's someone in a war-torn country, I don't care if he's stopping traffic or whatever he's doing in said war-torn country. If there are bombs flying all over the place, just be quiet. Those people, are, are, they have a lot of courage, and they're there to protect their families. And hopefully, if you're the type of person who would say something like that about Usyk or Lomachenko or Vitaly Klitschko or Vladimir Klitschko, reassess what you're saying and, and be a better person.
0: It's very easy uh, to have an opinion behind a keyboard and, and you know on a, on a couch comfortably it's it's very different when when you're uh, in the heart of it um you mentioned Vasily Lomachenko and and, and you broke the news. That he's decided to stay and fight in Ukraine. It looks like he'll be passing up, at least for now, that fight with Cambosis in Australia. Um, there were other outlets that also posted this news, and I know that you were vocal of, about that. Um, what, what was you know what happened with that situation in terms of, of you being vocal about other outlets posting the news, and and how would you like to see that that change in terms of other outlets and and the way that breaking news is reported in boxing?
1: Uh, you know, this had been a uh, a festering thing with me for a long time. This was not a one time deal. And and look, let's just let's just be f- just full disclosure here. We're we're talking about ESPN ringside's uh, Twitter account. It was what you're referring to. I went after them on uh, on Tuesday. I think it was because there's a pattern there going way back. Now, Mike Coppinger and I are friends. This was not really directed at Mike. I tried to specify that. I understand he might've been collateral damage, so to speak, as far as that goes. He and I had conversations about this privately. My thing is this, Mike breaks his fair share of stories. So do I, so do other people. Give people credit for the work that they do. And I don't even want the credit for myself. I want the credit for the outlet that helps me make a very good living and has been great to me over the course of, I don't know, 15 years since I worked there as a part-time employee. Back when I was a newspaper writer for a long time, it's just important to me to to just. And I'm not trying to sound like a Boy Scout here or anything. I'm just saying, just operate with integrity, which is what I put in the tweet. I was told that it was not an intentional thing. It, it is what it is, right? I, I have no uh, malice toward anyone who works there. And again, I, I emphasize, Mike and I have have always had a professional respect for each other. He believe me. He and I behind the scenes go back and forth on some things sometimes that we agree to disagree about. No doubt about it. Um, but all, all, I think in in every other sport, ESPN in particular, which is who we're talking about here, has credited in some cases maybe been forced to credit. If you want to go back to when Adrian Wojnarowski, who was a former a co-worker of mine at the Bergen Record, um, when he worked at Yahoo Sports, he broke literally every NBA story there was, and they were paying people a lot of money to cover the NBA. And then eventually they just, they threw so much money at Woji, he went to ESPN, but he beat them darn near to death covering the NBA for a long time until it forced them to acknowledge uh, that he was breaking all the stories. And ESPN breaks its fair share of stories too. And other outlets should always quit at them. It's just, it should be a two-way street. And look, the bottom line is you ain't fooling nobody. Well, let, let's cut the smoke, smoke and mirrors type of stuff let's just, you know, when you break a story, when someone else breaks a story, and I want to emphasize, I'm not directing this at Mike, because he has credited me for my work and stuff. And we have a good understanding as far as that goes, he and I, Um, but I just think to be taken seriously, and, and to proceed as a, an ethical news organization, you just should credit people for their work. And, uh, and just be on the up and up because, It's also insulting to the readers and to the fan, in in our case, in our small world here in boxing. It's insulting to the people who uh, who follow it because and it's not necessary. You break some stories. We break some stories. We're all making a good living. We're thankfully doing this. It's all good. Not a big deal.
0: Speaking of ESPN, I wanted to ask you about another fighter, and and he campaigned for a long time with Top Rank and on ESPN, and that's Terrence Crawford. Uh, We know that he's now entered into uh, litigation with Top Rank. Um, He's saying there was a breach of contract. He's saying there was racism. Um, We know that his contract with Top Rank is done, and it obviously doesn't seem like he's going to go back there based on that. Um, We know that Spence versus Ugas is happening, and and everyone, of course, wants to eventually see Crawford versus Spence. What do you think the future holds for Terrence Crawford? Who do you think he'll align himself with you know what's what's a possible fight for him and and, and when
1: i think he'll eventually align himself with pbc because what choices he have right i mean if he if he wants the fights that he wants he's not getting it by operating on his own little island somewhere it's not you know he's going to be forced to in some way affiliate himself with pbc and there, there have been discussions uh on both sides about that he knows that if he wants to fight Uh, the winner of the, now obviously he wants it to be Spence because that's the fight that Crawford wants. But if he wants that fight, he's going to at least temporarily have to affiliate himself with PBC. Um, And I I expect that to happen because unless he wants to try to fight uh, Josh Taylor, who of course is affiliated with his contract with, with top rank as former promoter who Terrence Crawford, as you mentioned is suing um, what other options does he have really? I mean, you know, Boots Ennis is not, uh, contracted with PBC, but he is contracted with Showtime and a multi-fight agreement. Um, I don't know how much money Terrence Crawford would want to fight Geron Ennis, but I would bet it would be a lot. People would be interested in that fight. But what sense does that make if you're Terrence Crawford going on 35 years old and you've wanted to fight Errol Spence for four years or however long it's been? That's the fight that he wants, right? And that's the fight the public wants. And hopefully, you know, while it's nowhere near the magnitude of Mayweather Pacquiao, and it hasn't gone on nearly as long either. Uh, hopefully we'll get to see that fight. Now, Ugas is not an easy out, as you well know, not going to be an easy fight on April 16th, especially coming off major eye surgery for Earl. Um, but if he wins the fight, let's hope that Terrence Crawford, you know, signs a two fight deal with PBC or agrees to a you know, multi-fight deal with PBC, uh, fights a reasonable welterweight in his first PBC fight, and then maybe fights Earl Spence toward the end of the year because, you know, you don't want to get past its expiration date. And Terrence Crawford's going to be 35 years old in September. Errol just turned 32. You know, it's now or never, pretty much.
0: Past its expiration date is an unfortunate thing that, that us boxing fans have to deal with way too often, and, and let's hope that's not the case. One final question uh, before I let you go. You've been covering this sport for such a long time. It's a really interesting and unique time in boxing right now. Jake Paul has a contract with Showtime. He comes from YouTubing. Uh, there's Triller in the game that's adding musical acts and reshaping the ring. Um, Probellum is trying some different things internationally. There's a bunch of new players, uh, You know, we, and we've talked about some of them during this interview for a long time. It really wasn't like that. It was HBO had had top quality fighter showtime did there. It was just a different, uh, type of, of, um, landscape. And, and obviously it's changed a lot now. How would you describe the way boxing is now, um, in terms of this era versus other eras that you've covered?
1: Well, there's a lot of money still being spent on boxing for what has been perpetually called a dying sport. I've heard that since, uh, I don't know, since I started covering it in 19, late 1996, right? It's a dying sport. It's dying. Here we are 26 years later and it seems to be thriving. It's a, it's a niche sport. It's always going to be that now. I don't think it'll ever go back to the magnitude that it, that it once possessed. And, you know, even in the eighties, you know, when Mike Tyson, because there's never going to be another Mike Tyson, probably, but you know, when it was on network television, the biggest thing is when it went away from network television, I think is when you saw the shift in it being a mainstream sport that was really uh, garnered a lot of attention to being a niche sport. But there's nothing wrong with being a niche sport with a passionate, loyal fan base, but it does need to grow because a lot of, you know, people get very frustrated with, as you well know, the the, the four sanctioning bodies and all the BS, you know, the the, the factions of different promoters and, and PBC and top rank and all people just want to see the best fight the best. I mean, you don't, if you're a baseball fan, they don't say, well, the Yankees aren't going to play the Red Sox because so and so doesn't like so. No, they they play fifteen times, you know, whatever it is. You know what I mean? So it's very frustrating. It's it's hard to be a fan of this sport sometimes, and I understand the frustration. You know, while I am critical sometimes of people stealing pay per views or constantly complaining about pay per views, I get the fact because once upon a time I was a boxing fan when I was a kid. You know, I was a fan so to speak now i'm a professional writer and all but but you care about the sport you're passionate about the sport and i understand what it's like to be in that position when you just want this is your enjoyment right i mean the time you take away from your family or whatever else is important to you to invest it in in caring about boxing and it's like you know if it's like lucy with the football every time you know you're just like "Ah, dude come on that's enough's enough right i mean but um i still think the sport is in a healthy place and to answer your original question i know i went in a roundabout way here but having Uh, people like Jake Paul, you know, people crap on Jake Paul and everything. Look, if he can, if he can generate, even if it's a few hundred boxing fans based on what he's doing, why wouldn't we as the boxing industry welcome that that's 300 people that care about the sport that didn't care about it before. And and what's wrong with that? You know, and if you don't like Jake Paul, you know, he's, he's loud and he's in your face and all that kind of stuff, but that's kind of today's, you know, I'm an old school guy, obviously, you know, but, but like if that's, you got to sell yourself. I mean, he's, you know, if you ask Jake Paul in a quiet moment, could you be Canelo Alvarez? I, I'm sure he would tell you what are out of your mind. Of course not. But, but he's got to say what he's got to say with the camera on and stuff. So I guess having him involved in it, a triller to a lesser degree because they've created so many problems financially for people and, and, and constantly canceling events. And then, you know uh, not putting on the Tiafimo Lopez fight uh, with George Campos defaulting on the purse bid. Eh. I'm not sure we couldn't do without Triller and boxing, to be honest with you, but as it relates to Jake Paul, I mean, if it's going to bring eyeballs to the sport and bring attention to the sport, I don't see anything wrong with that.
0: 100%. I've always said for a long time that that even YouTubing or just creating your audience is a difficult yeah. thing to do. And there's no reason that you can't now bring that audience into boxing and increase the eyeballs uh, for boxing. That can happen. And at the same time, we can hope for the best to fight the best. And hopefully that's what happens uh, going forward here in, in 2022 and beyond. Keith Addick, I want to thank you so much for the time breaking it down and uh, talking about the latest boxing news. And I hope to chat with you soon, my friend.
1: Thanks, Karen. I appreciate it, man. I appreciate you having me on. It's good to see you.
0: And that brings us to the end. Thank you so much for joining me and thank you to my guests. If you want to follow us, uh, you can follow at A-T-E underscore podcast. That's on Instagram and Twitter. If you want to follow my personal channels, it's at C-U-R-R-A-N-B-H-A-T-I-A on Instagram and Twitter. That's at Karan at on Instagram and Twitter. Please subscribe on YouTube, youtube.com backslash Karan uh, Please check out uh, our show on iTunes. Hit subscribe. Give us a five-star review. If you want to email the show, it's asktheexpertspod at gmail.com. I am Karan Batia, and this was Ask the Experts. Thank you for listening to Ask the Experts with Karan Bhatia.